It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott, as usual. Hello. Hello. Woo! Happy Halloween. <laughs> it's that season. <laughs> we even have dim lighting to yeah, set this. Uh, as October is upon us, uh, I thought it would be great for us to go over our top five favorite horror films. Yes. Horror slash like. Psychological thriller? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Horror slash very specific. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very niche-oriented horror. Today. Not just any horror. Yeah, it's going into very specific. Yeah, if you want, if you want to look into Tony's mind, that's uh, Tony. Um, what her favorite genre, subgenre of horror movies. Yes. I think horror is a very broad term for a lot this of This is true. This is true. I would interpret horror films as something that scares you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrifies okay. you. And, and that's subjective, so yeah. That is. Yes. You know. My uh, picks are still valid. Exactly. Psychological thriller is is horrible. Some would consider Fahrenheit 11.9 a horror film, you know. Me Some people consider Pinocchio a horror film. Yes, <laughs> Pinocchio. It might show up again on the list if you listen to last month's podcast. Pinocchio. You know, it, we, we did talk about how, how uh, frightening Pinocchio is kind of a creepy movie. It's very dark. Yeah, very dark. Um, and, you know, the darkness is an aspect of horror films, you know, you go into the dark aspects of people's minds and, and actions, and uh, we're going to get scary. <laughs> that was a great explanation. I, uh, I thought that was Rod Sterling. <laughs> yeah, this is the moment where we enter yeah. the uh, where we uh, insert the uh, Twilight Zone music. It, it, it was wonderful. I, I think Scott really set the tone for all of us with that. Uh, and um, you know, we're gonna go around, and each of us are gonna talk about our top five favorite horror films, going yeah. from five to one. And uh, like I said, it's horror. Could, be interpreted a number of ways. Yeah, mine might be more literal than others. Some yeah, may be sure. less literal than others. You know, that's what makes this fun. Yeah. And well, and the other fun element is that we haven't shared our list with each other. So no, you guys are hearing it for the first time as we are as well. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting to see what. Uh, I wonder if Pinocchio is going to make this. Cut <laughs> Pinocchio, <laughs> Pinocchio. I, I, if you have money on, if it's going to make every top five list, we do. I just hope our picks terrify you. Yes. The plot of what we might name as our favorite horror films. Oh, I hope you're on the edge of your hey. seat. My uh, my picks are uh, urination inducing. <laughs> terrible. That's what I want from our from our listeners. You know that that sort of sensation. So I sh- I shall go first with my go ahead, five. Scott. You might as well yeah. go with your top five. Number go five. Oh, the suspense is killing me. Yeah. yeah. Number five is. A movie that's not known for being good, but it terrified me when I was younger. Godzilla? Uh, no. It is Fire in the Sky. Oh, a movie about, yeah. Uh, the uh, Travis Walton, I believe. A, uh, alien abduction in the 1970s. I had a hunch it was about aliens. Yeah. Aliens are scary. Most of, a lot of alien movies I would put in a sci-fi category, mm-hmm. but Fire in the Sky has very intense and scary abduction sequences in it. Now... They, if you watch them out of, <laughs> if you watch them as a thirteen year old and you're you're scared of alien abduction, you're scared. If you just watch them on YouTube, they don't they don't really creep you out as much. <laughs> so I do say, uh, and the movie isn't known for being great. Um, the uh, the one guy that played the T one thousand in it, I forget his name. Um, you're thinking of Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick is more. Oh, it's yes. not Robert Robinson. He, he, he's great. 
I kind of remember James Garner being James the, uh, Gardner plays yeah. like the, uh, the 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 FBI agent that's investigating or police officer is investigating the uh, remember abduction. We uh, saw Robert Patrick at that comic. Yes, we did. Yes, yes Robert Patrick. We yeah. came upon the presence of yes. Robert Patrick, and I think it was a, was a Wizard World a couple that's years it, ago. That's it, Wizard yeah. World. Uh, that was interesting. He was a nice guy. I, I was, was really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Yes, but this is a. I think it is a psychological thriller and. Uh, it's about alien abduction, and uh, um, it's a very famous alien abduction case. <laughs> it's probably one of the most, people consider it probably one of the most credible alien abduction case, because everybody that was part of this alien abduction has never changed their story about what happened. So all the witnesses have stayed true to the fact that they saw something on that day wow. in Arizona, and they all take a lie detector test, and they all passed. So, wow, that's so spooky. It's very spooky. Because it's based on you know real life events, but uh, it's not considered a classic movie. But it was a movie I remember as curious to watch, but always scared to watch as a kid. And I think being scary is one of the big things about a horror movie is is, mm-hmm. is, is making you scared. Yeah. I do hope that that's that's a criteria for it. <laughs> if it's not, <laughs> then rethink what you. If it's not a horror film. If it doesn't scare you, it's not a horror film. I remember watching the film. It used to be on HBO in the afternoons when I'd come home from school in high school. And it terrified everybody. Everybody would talk about it the next yeah. day that they watched it because the sequence in the UFO when he's being probed by the oh, aliens it's, oh, is wow. absolutely terrifying. I've they, never they, seen it. They put over like a laminate. They laminate them, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better term. They stick stuff in his mouth and they're... There's a needle seeing going into his eyeball. Oh, gross. Uh, Does he live? Oh, yeah, he lives. That's probably the worst part. I mean, he's, yeah. he's probed, and, and and the aliens are just like, you know, they look like the, the gray alien type thing. And they're, they do, yeah. and they're just like, you know, cold looking, and they're just doing it like, you know, like he's just an experiment. So it's, it's very creepy. Um, so... This is probably probably, to the X Files. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. It, I think X Files is better, better <laughs> storytelling, uh, better written script. But this is a this was a scary movie. <laughs> it scared me as a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. I remember somebody wearing an Aerosmith T-shirt. <laughs> yes, uh, is that terrifying as well? That's, that's terrifying, John. <laughs> How could they be wearing Aerosmith over the? Beatles? Well, it was based in the mid seventies, so. It was. It That's was. Funny. So yeah, uh, yeah. So it's. It makes you scared of being lost in the in the forest for sure. Wow. You never know what's gonna. Forest can be a scary place. That's a great choice. I'm really glad. It was yeah. something I would have thought of, but yeah, that's an absolutely yeah. terrifying film. So, especially in that sequence. Tony, what creepy. <laughs> well, guys, I'm gonna give you a little clue here. Okay. We're gonna shift gears. Oh. Uh, my number five uh, favorite horror movie is uh, John Carpenter's Christine. Oh. oh, I have not seen Christine, so I can't comment one way or the oh, other. Oh, well, it was based on a Stephen King novel mm-hmm. named, you know, Christine. Is it uh, John Carpenter's Stephen it's John King's Car- Christine? <laughs> it's John Carpenter's Christine. <laughs> John Carpenter always based, has to put his name in front of I know, of it. I know. Yeah. Based off of the Stephen King novel, um, uh, Christine. And, well, I'm sure you guys know about the premise, so it's about a killer car, basically. Yeah. It's a 1959, um, or 1958, um, Plymouth Fury. Mm-hmm. 
appropriately named. <laughs> and uh, she's red. Her name is Christine. And she has she's like this living, breathing organism. And she uh, gets very close and attached to the male owners that mm-hmm. own her. And she, she like falls in love with them. Mm-hmm. And so she gets very protective over anybody else that wants to try to get their that man's attention. And so it started off originally, like the origin story is that she was uh, she was purchased or like in 1958 by this man who was the original owner. And shortly after owning her and driving around in her, he like started to become kind of possessed and changed. You know, started changing. He ended up uh, the the car Christine killed both his wife and his daughter. They both died in the car. Oh, okay. Um, and it wasn't like a car crash or anything either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he slowly ended up going crazy and then he killed either he, I can't remember if he killed himself or if he died in Christine as well. And then it picks up with this young high schooler, Arnie, who sees the car. He's like nerdy. He like sees the car on the side of the road and, you know, begs his friend to stop. And he, he buys Christine for like 300 some odd dollars. Um, the movie originally came out, I want to say in 82 or 83, but the but it's based like five years ahead, so it's based in seventy eight. Yeah, it came out in eighty three, and it's based in seventy eight because mm-hmm. that would make the car Christine about twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was from nineteen fifty eight. But anyway, it's amazing. The killer car. There are some great scenes in here where the car runs people over. Mm-hmm. You know, causes fires, like suffocates people inside of her. And what really got me is like I remember watching this movie as a young girl. It, it was. Um, um, my dad's uh, girlfriend at the time, when she had moved in with us in like 1990, she had a bunch of VHS tapes with movies that she had recorded like on HBO and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I used to, being a movie buff, even yeah. at a young age, I would just love to watch all these movies. And that's how I saw Elvira for the first time. Well, Christine was on one of them. Mm. It, it had come after another movie that I was originally watching, and I, I just was kind of hooked, and so I just kept watching it, and I remembered really liking the story, and thinking that it was such a neat concept to have a car be a killer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a universal thing. We all get in our cars every day. Uh, That's a classic uh, Stephen King trope, too, is yeah. to take something ordinary and turn mm-hmm. it into a horrifying yeah. mm-hmm. element, like Cujo with dogs. It's a similar, yes. yeah. similar take. Exactly, yeah. But it's a great movie. It's got an awesome soundtrack. You know, John Carpenter yeah. um, does a lot of the music. So mm-hmm. it's that, that heavy synthesized, you know, 80s horror, very similar to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just a neat film. Like, I just always really like it. And I feel like it's kind of forgotten about. Yeah, it, there was a lot of, like, cars. There was a cartoon called Turbo Team where the guy turned into a car. You ever remember that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was always creepy. But Christine, I think what's interesting about that is, like, you have John Carpenter who's known for horror movies. <laughs> uh, you know, has a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. And Stephen King was, the like, the, the horror novelist. And yeah. they come together. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's just a classic. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea that you you get these VHS tapes and you're curious about torsion. Which it, is what it, I that's did. What it's all I, about, I discovered like, it. Yeah, I totally. When you're young and you, you're curious mm-hmm. about it. and It's interesting. You watch it at that time. It has an effect mm-hmm. on you that maybe wouldn't if you yeah. watched it when you're in your 30s. And I have to mention, there's Kit from Knight Rider. He was a talking car, yeah. but not necessarily. <laughs> same voice. Sentient cars. Yes. As the father from The Graduate, it was the same voice oh, wow. and The Boy Meets World. I forget the actor's name right now, but he's terrific. Yes. <laughs> he's terrific. The guy who plays Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney, Is yeah. it George something? Um, no. Um, oh, gosh. I can't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. He's yeah. Benjamin's father in The Graduate, yes. too. He's yes, fantastic. He I'm sure we'll, we'll do a caveat somewhere. 
Yeah, Mr. Feeney, is it, uh, William Daniels. That's yeah, it, William that's Daniels, it, yeah. perfect actor. Yeah. Um, yes. So it was very hard to devise my list because even though I'm not really what you call a horror buff or horror fanatic, tends to, a lot of my favorite films tend to be horror films eventually mm-hmm. in some weird way. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to narrow it down, but I did. Uh, <laughs> Thank uh, goodness. So, number, so my number five is something I've seen recently, and I've become a big fan of the entire franchise that this film is a part of, uh, although it's an older film. It's 1933's The Invisible Man. Oh, okay. yeah. It's directed Claude by... Claude Rains. Claude Rains, yes. Uh, uh, and this, this Claude Rains and The Invisible Man, ladies and gentlemen. Do you want to know how I knew that? How did you know that? I've never seen that movie. Because it's a line from a Rocky Horror Picture Show song. That's right, it is. Claude Rains was the invisible man. <laughs> it, was, it was also referenced in an episode of Night Court where Michael Richards thought he was invisible as one of the guys oh, that came wow. in and he goes, here's my impression of Claude Rains standing up and he stood up and mm-hmm. it obviously wasn't invisible but it was still funny to watch. Mm-hmm. Claude Rains in this movie is amazing. I consider this the first supervillain on screen. Because I think every comic book supervillain since that time has been influenced by Claude Rains and the Invisible Man. It's the mad scientist who takes this formula and he goes insane and he thinks he can conquer the world. But he is so much fun to watch in this movie. Like, if you've only seen Claude Rains in Casablanca or a film like that, he's a tremendous actor, versatile, or... You know, um, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yes, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, and um, the Hitchcock film whose name eludes me right now. Notorious. <laughs> Notorious. Yeah, William Daniels. <laughs> William Daniels. No, no. Claude Rains is amazing. This was his breakout performance. It, uh, his lines not like, "I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show all of you." <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. That's Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina's not into the whole horror movies. She doesn't like it. It was part of the Universal Monster, what eventually became that franchise, Universal Monsters yes. franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and James Whale was a big part of that. He also directed uh, The Bride of Frankenstein, which nearly made my list as well, which I saw recently. Yeah. Uh, and both the original Frankenstein. Uh, he is a genius. Uh, he needs to be rediscovered. They actually made a film about James Whale called Gods and Monsters, played by Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. And he was nominated for an Oscar. But this movie is so much fun to watch. I highly recommend it. I'll if you, have to check it out. Yeah, you'll yeah. have to check yeah. out The Invisible Man. Just for yeah. Claude Rain's performance alone and the look of the bandages across mm-hmm. his yeah. because he has to disguise himself in public and it is really creepy and, and it's just a great costuming design. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's highly recommend anybody check out The Invisible Man. You like that one? There's one part in Christine where so the car so she ends up going on a killing spree and uh, or no prior to that she gets beaten up by bullies in high school like there are a couple bullies that don't like Arnie and so they sneak into the garage and they basically just demolish Christine mm-hmm. with bats everything one even defecates on the dashboard oh, like it's gross uh-huh. and so he comes and sees it you know the next day and he's like really really all upset. Well, because at this point, he's already kind of like being possessed by her, and it's like a very sexual scene. They play, um, oh goodness, what's the name of that song? Because Christine communicates with music. She'll tell you how she's feeling, and she'll flip through channels and play like different like songs. Like Bumblebee. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, Transformers. It's, it's really cool. Like, it's true. They probably stole the, that from them. Yeah, so, but they probably stole it from yeah, them. Yeah, but, yeah. But anyway, it's really neat. And so, so she, uh, he, he's like, all right, Christine, 
we're going to show those shitters. That's what he calls everybody, shitters. We're going to show those shitters. And then he's like, uh, and then he says, okay. He's like, um, show me. And so he says to her. And then all of a sudden it's really cool because the lights go on. Her lights go on. It's like all dark. And you can see like the shadow of him standing afar, like looking at her. And then um, the music's like, it's really neat and then she starts fixing herself the car like the dents start coming out and she just totally repairs herself it's really cool mm -hmm. I definitely think you'll like like the visuals mm -hmm. especially considering that it was 1983 when you think mm -hmm. about that mm -hmm. I guess what they did is they shot it in reverse or something I, yeah. I don't know how they did it but it really looked awesome yeah. I'll have to check that out and yeah. I also hope you check out the visuals of the 1933 <laughs> <laughs> I will I will I think you would really really appreciate Claude Rains in that film so Invisible Man. Okay, so... <laughs> on to the number four. On to number four. So my number four is In Realm of Shaun's. So it's the original Dracula from 1931 with Bela Lugosi. Oh. oh! And this is a great... Bela Lugosi did not know how to speak English, so he had to phonetically uh, memorize those lines. I did not know this. <laughs> yes. Did you <laughs> so, learn that on the podcast? Yeah, I learned that. You must remember this. was a great podcast. Uh, but... This, this movie is very quiet. It's a very quiet movie um, because there's no score. They didn't use scores a lot yeah. back then because it's really very early in the uh, when sound came into you know 1931. But just the close-up shots of his face and um, it's just very creepy and, and very <laughs> and very uh, uh, scary and, and um, there's just some great. Um, He's, he possesses a guy, uh, like an accountant named Renfield, and he's just like possessed. Oh, Renfield! Yeah, yes. Renfield. He keeps escaping from insane asylums the whole movie, uh, and then there you have uh, Van Helsing, which is oh, just yeah. he's like you know, and the match of wits between Dracula and Van Helsing, you know, and <laughs> you got the all the tropes that you you now take for granted were were created in that movie. All the Dracula tropes, you know, the whole. Lifting the cape in front of your eyes and all that stuff is oh yeah just okay. as, that we see all the time. But this is the first time that you know that was done um, for Dracula, and I think it was the first Universal monster movie, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, it is, yeah, yeah. I believe it's the very first in that whole. And franchise. it was not not a whole lot was expected of it, and it became this huge hit. So it's it's like the forebearer of of horror. You know, Dracula. It was. It was. Uh, oh yeah. People hadn't seen any. Nosferatu had come out, which is a very creepy movie. Um, the silent film, which was Dracula, but it was that's a very creepy movie. Uh, scenes in that where you, the guy creeping the yeah, yeah the was, shadows. Well, and he had like the glong. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't use <laughs> the reason it's called Nosferatu. They couldn't use the Dracula trademark. <laughs> that makes sense. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna make it. <laughs> We're gonna call it Nosferatu, <laughs> which is a scarier name. Yeah, yeah, a scarier that. name. Uh, but Bella Gussie yeah, became a star, and um, uh, it's it, it's just I think it's just so classic, so great. It's an hour long runtime. Oh wow, is that short? It still holds up though in a, a very great way. I'll have to check that out. I've never seen it. Yeah. I happened to see it this year on the big screen as well, thanks to the Gateway Film Center, yeah. which ran all the Universal Horror Classics for a month in January. Yeah. Which kept me oh, I missed through that. a horrifying January this year, yeah. weather-wise. But um, I love the movie, and I think the little Lugosi is fantastic in it. 
And it reminds me of one of probably my favorite Tim Burton film, Ed Wood. Yes. In which oh, uh, Martin yes. Landau played Bella Lugosi mm-hmm. in that film. Uh, so yeah, I think Nosferatu as as a German film is amazing too. I'd like to see that on the big screen as well. Yeah. But Dracula, a fantastic choice. I don't want to be pre- pretentious. No, I understand. Pick Nosferatu. My favorite is a German silent film. Nosferatu. Right. Well, oh, it's, oh, this I sound is like Dracula great. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dracula, the first pretentious monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I come to suck your blood. I come to suck your blood. Yeah, uh, well, this is actually a great segue into my number four film, talking mm-hmm. about pretentious titles in German. But uh, <laughs> my number four is Poltergeist. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Great choice, great, great choice. Which we did a podcast episode of that with Darla. Yes. Um, a while ago now. But yeah, I mean, I remember watching that movie as a young girl and just being so frightened mm-hmm. by everything that I saw. And, and, you know, I was a little bit older, or maybe the same age, or a little bit older as Carol Ann, like when I first saw that movie. So I definitely identified with that character. Um yeah, that movie just is so creepy. I mean, talk about jumps and scares and, you know, even supernatural elements and that creepy old man. Yeah, I mean, just everything about it was Well, it's just so well filmed, too. Yeah. And you care about the characters. You do. Yeah. You, know, you care about that family. And you can relate to that family. Mm-hmm. And they're not, what I love is they're not initially scared by the ghosts. They're, they're intrigued by them, you know. Yeah, with the chairs. Especially the know? mom. That's uh-huh. a great take. She's not a screaming. And yeah. It's until they get violent, mm-hmm. you know. But they're very uh, curious about what's going on, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of you, you see a lot of Spielbergian things in there that make you think. We talked about it, and you know, is he the secret director? In, in the oh yeah. Guys? But uh, mm-hmm. we know he did a lot um, in that movie. Yes, yes, and I may have more to say about that film later on as well. I may as well. <laughs> <laughs> But I actually uh, like all the installments, the second and the third. Yeah. I remember the third one really creeped me out. That's the one where they're in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the mirrors. Do you remember that? Yes, I do yeah. remember that. That yeah. one was really creepy. I, I really like the whole franchise. Yeah. But. Uh, Poltergeist is amazing. I, I, uh, great cast. Not necessarily the biggest names, but Craig T. Nelson's mm-hmm. fantastic, mm-hmm. as is... Uh, so is the mom. Who played the mom? She, I feel like she did other things. I think it's Joe Beth Williams. Yeah, it is. Joe Beth Williams, played, yeah. Played the mother. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, and Jerry Goldsmith has a fantastic score. Oh, yeah. The oh, score is yeah. amazing. so eerie. Yeah. There are rumors it was ghost-directed, no joke, by Steven Spielberg, who wrote uh-huh. the story yeah. and, and actually produced it. But Toby Hooper, who also directed... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which is, if, if that isn't on anybody's list, that's not on mine, but that is one of the scariest movies. Yeah. That is a very scary movie. Yes. So number four on my list is uh, probably probably the least known on my list, but I haven't seen it in a long time, but I love the film. It's from 1955. It's The Night of the Hunter, starring oh. Robert Mitchum and probably his best performance. Mm. I haven't seen that. Uh, he plays... Uh, a fake minister who marries uh, Shelley Winters' character in the film and inherits her fortune and her children. He tries to kill the children during the course of the film. But uh, it is very gothic. It, it Its visual design is very influential. It was directed by an actor named Charles Lawton who was in a classic version of Mutiny on the Bounty better known as an actor, but this film, that the only film he ever directed, is one of the most influential horror films ever made. 
whenever you see someone wearing love and hate on their knuckles. Oh, yeah, that was him? Yes, that was Robert Mitchum's wow. character. Uh, Harry Powell is the name, and, and his performance is over the top, just like uh, Claude Rains in The Invisible Man. Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter uh, is just as influential as a supervillain or an imposing, horrifying character. Uh, it has a gothic setting. It's almost like like the mythical South, almost, you know, gotcha. and, and, and and the way it's filmed, there's almost like a fairy tale quality to it, even though it's not really a fairy tale, it's real people, but it is highly recommended based on the visuals, the performance by Mitchum, and it, it's a masterpiece mm -hmm. on the whole, I, I, I think everyone should see it at least once in their lifetime. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I never, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it. Great film. Yeah. Not even higher. Wish I could say more, but I'm not, <laughs> not as familiar with that movie. Uh, you'll see it referenced in a lot of different things. Like I said, the knuckles, love and yeah. hate. Look out for anytime you see that. That's from Night of the Hunter. Awesome. Well, we're getting to number three, so we're halfway. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, spooky. Ooh. <laughs> we're going to get really spooky. Uh, my number three is Bride of Frankenstein is my number three favorite. Um, I actually watched this this morning. This movie j just is so good. It's... It's campy, it's funny, it's, um, it, I wouldn't even say, it, it, it's a horror film, and there's, there's, there's death, and Frankenstein throws people around in this movie, <laughs> uh, but it has a new character that's introduced in the Frankenstein, which is Dr. Pretorius, who has a bunch of little, he, he creates, uh, little people, like, uh, he, he's done exactly what Frankenstein is, but his people are little, and they're in little can canisters, so you have, like, a little queen, and you have like a king, and the king like keeps wanting to have sex with the queen, and he keeps breaking out, and he has to put, then he has a little ballerina in him, and he, uh, it, it's, so he's very creepy, and he's trying to get Dr. Frankenstein to make a mate for Frankenstein, who, they both survived the, uh, the, uh, original movie, which we both think they're both dead, but they both, because this is, this is probably one of the first big sequels, sequels yeah. yeah, and it opens up with Mary Shelley, and Lord Byron talking, and it's oh, very, yeah. she's like, oh, and she's like knitting, and it's, he's like, <laughs> Lord Byron is in like the most over-the-top, <laughs> pretentious, like, hmm, Mary Shelley, you look so beautiful, how can someone so beautiful come up with such a horrific story? And he's, <laughs> and she's like, the story's not over yet, I have more, and she pricks herself, and she, it's just, it's very interesting opening, but it's so fun, it's, it's, you can see where like maybe like Rocky Horror Picture Show would come in, because it's so which I do so think camp. I do think yeah. uh, Richard O'Brien was highly influenced by the Universal Monster. Yeah, right exactly. There. And this is probably a lot of people consider the the high point of that Universal Monster movies yeah. in the '30s was Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I have, you know, I've not, I have not seen. I don't really think any of the Universal yeah. Monster movies, and I really should because I think I'd probably like them. I have, I have a taste for that camp. Yeah, Bride of Frankenstein, you would, I think you would enjoy it. It's very, it's very, it, it's one, it has a score, like the Frankenstein, Frankenstein is a little bit more stark, the original mm -hmm. Frankenstein, um, it's more horror, this has a little bit more wry humor in it, gotcha. uh, there's lady that's like, oh my god, it's Frank, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of comedy in it, like, it, there's, there's, uh, some good characters, and Dr. Pedora's is really over the top, he comes in, it's like, <laughs> Uh, there's a character, she's like a, she gets the door, she's like, she hates Frankenstein, there's this one character, she hates Frankenstein, she's like, the monster! Um, 
and she's like, uh, Dr. Pretorius is here, and Mr. Frankenstein is like, I don't want to see him, and she clo- she's like, I'll go tell him, and she closes the door, and Dr. Pretorius comes through another door. It's just kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, but the famous scene with the blind man is in this, Dr. Coretta Frankenstein, where Frankenstein meets the blind man, it's in Young Frankenstein, Gene Hackman plays the blind man when he meets Frankenstein. Oh my gosh, that was Gene Hackman? In the Young Frankenstein movie. Yeah. But in this one, it's... it's but it, it's just a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite movies in general. Watch. I love that movie, and it barely missed my list. Yeah. It's also by James Whale, who directed The, the Invisible Man. So yeah. I picked Invisible Man, but... That and Bride of Frankenstein is like the one-two punch at at the middle of that, and I completely agree with you. Bride of Frankenstein is amazing. Yeah, uh, it's so influential. The bride character alone is influential. Oh, she only sure. has one scene at the at the end of the film, yeah. but she's. I don't want to spoil it for you, yeah. but yeah. it's uh, it's you know, haunting. Yeah, she does that. Uh, uh, who was played by the same actress who played Mrs. Banks in uh, Mary Poppins? Oh wow! Was it Mrs. Banks or she played a nanny? No, she played Mrs. Banks, who was the wife. Oh, okay. Uh, Ella Lanchester, I believe, was her name. Elsa Lanchester. Yep, she was in... Uh... Elsa Lanchester, British actor. Yeah, she plays uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. And Mary Shelley in the movie. They try to keep it a secret. Oh, like... yeah, she was the, the nanny. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought she... I, this shows how familiar I am with Mary Poppins. <laughs> mythology. Yeah. I... Thought she was the wife in that. Which we also did a podcast on was there, but Which we did. Right. Yes, yeah. we did. But that's Bride of Frankenstein, my number three. That's a fantastic choice. Okay. My number three, we also have done a podcast on this movie as well. Um, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Silence of uh, the Lambs, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that movie is I I think is just well, it's a phenomenal movie anyway. I mean, you know, outside of all the awards and stuff that it won, the script, just the acting, I mean um, Jodie Foster and um, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins. It's just he's just so chilling as Hannibal Lecter. You know, I just think about that first time when we see him. You know, and he's in like the white coat and he's kind of yeah. like on that like I don't know what you call it, like a human dolly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so creepy. And then, well, just everything about it. I mean, we've kind of touched on I think a lot of it in the podcast, but um, you know, the last I'd say probably twenty minutes with the the house mix up. Oh, yeah. You know, where we think just that, I mean, you know, your heart's racing. And then when she does get in the house and she realizes that he's Buffalo Bill because she sees the the moth stuff and then he turns the lights out and he's got those like eye goggles. I mean, it's just so creepy. And then when she goes into the bathtub and there's like that dead lady and the woman who actually owned the house. Remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So like, I mean, crazy. well, and then, of course, I mean, Buffalo Bill is, like, just one aspect of it. And then Anthony Hopkins is just so creepy and oh, scary uh, yeah. and everything he does. I mean, you know, his whole, how he just communicates with Clarice. And um, there's a there's that poise about him, mm-hmm. that that kind of, like, unattainable calmness that he has always that's just unnerving. He he's a fantastic actor. I love Anthony Hopkins, and obviously that's his most iconic performance yeah. as Hannibal Lecter. I think the most terrifying scene in that movie for me, because we're talking about the horror aspects of mm-hmm. it, is the scene when he attacks those two guards mm-hmm. in the the Well, and then in the elevator, when you realize that he's actually that that the guards are dead above the elevator because the yes. blood starts dripping, and that he actually put when he put when he's 
When it shows that he put the dead man's face on his face. Yeah, yeah. Because just... he bit the face off. Yeah, that's that's. Horrifying. I mean, yeah, it's just. Ugh. Ugh. It's terrifying <laughs> just thinking about that. I right know, now. it's like, ugh. And they have two, like, scary characters. That's in what I movie. mean. Yeah. yeah, there's like, there's two different elements of Buffalo yeah. Bill, and then, and then you have, you know, Hannibal Lecter as its own. Mm. It's just, it's such a great movie, though. Yeah, Buffalo Bill is a terrifying character on his own just because he's bizarre. Oh, yeah. You know, just the bizarreness of the character. Uh, Ted Bundy, I think he was modeled after Tim Buddy. Ted he was Bundy. modeled after a couple different people, like Ted Bundy, I think even Ed Gein. Yeah. Um, because uh, I think Ed Gein was sewed women's, like he was trying to make a women's suit or something like that. Basically, yeah, Buffalo Bill was, was kind of like a Frankenstein, if yeah. you will, of multiple mass murderers that <laughs> came before him. Um, but he used Ted Bundy's tactics to get the women with the couch thing. Like Ted Bundy used to pretend like he he had a broken leg, and women would help him try to get in the car, and they'd come over and like carry his books and stuff. He'd be on crutches, and then that's how he would throw him in the car. And then he took the he took the handle off on the passenger side, so the girls couldn't open the door oh, and get out. Ted Bundy did. So Tony, you are our, you are the the true crime expert. I am. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> she. If he needs any private eye, <laughs> private investigation, Tony's your girl. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm fascinated by that kind of yeah. stuff. But um, but yeah, so then there's those quasi true elements about Buffalo Bill makes it really creepy mm -hmm. too, because um, you think, wow, there really were people like that. Yeah. Jodie Foster is amazing too. As oh, she's you know, so good. She's so sympathetic and easy to get behind, and and I love her in general as an actress. But that's definitely her quintessential mm -hmm. role. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and for those listening, we did a podcast on that about a year or two ago. Yes. With Paul. With Paul Stelter. With Paul Stelter, so you'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, my number three has already appeared on the list. It's Poltergeist from Poltergeist. <laughs> uh, the movie grows on me the more mm -hmm. I see it. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up with it in the 80s, and, and I was horrified by it then. Mm -hmm. But I just think it is a work of complete imagination. It still scares me. In, in a certain way mm -hmm. but I also just love the visual panache that's put into the movie and mm -hmm. there's so many great set pieces with the tree yeah and you know the ghosts trying to, to take you know yes. the parents away and then the clown the toy closet. remember the clown toy oh it's uh, a terrifying toy the little boy like my grandma at, like had a kind of a clown toy like that that sat in the corner of the room that we had in her like when we would stay with her and whenever I, after I saw Poltergeist, I was like, "You got to get rid of that clown toy." Mm -hmm. Like I can't go to sleep if that's in the room. <laughs> it's frightening. I mean, it is. And and, uh, I and, just... and the scene that always got me too was when the one guy, like one of the tech guys, when they were staying the night, yeah. when his like face was like falling off. Yeah, you remember that? It's, uh, that's the most terrifying scene in the movie. Yeah, that. And, and the controversy with the film was that Spielberg ghost directed it, but many people consider that Toby Hooper's one major contribution was that scene? was the scene because it's more horrifying. Like mm -hmm. a Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. But the irony, I think that's Steven Spielberg's hands. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. What? That. When? His hands are the ones that are going, oh. Uh, wow. Why the other guy couldn't have used his hands? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't, that's the scary yeah. part. Why could he use his hands? <laughs> I'm really terrified about the production now. <laughs> well, and remember, uh, like, the meat was coming to life, too. The steak. Yeah, the yes. Like, that was just all very weird and creepy and... It was filmed simultaneously with E.T. on the same street. Which we've also done on the podcast. Yes, mm -hmm. we have. We put that. Um, but uh, Jim Carrey does a great impersonation. If you watch online on YouTube, on, a, on his very first appearance on The Tonight Show, he does uh, 
uh, an impersonation of the guy tearing his face off. Oh, <laughs> Older okay. guys. Yeah. I might have to show with everybody. And Ace Ventura, he does do that. I have exercise to do. Oh, yeah. His yeah. house yeah. is clear. Well, and Zelda Rubenstein is yeah. so great, too. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that scene, and then in the end, when Joe Beth Williams goes up to, to get Carol in, and it's just all so creepy. It is. It really is. It is a great film. And there's a lot of humor in, in the film, there especially is, in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I love the, the fiction of suburbia. It's a classic Spielbergian mm-hmm. suburban setting at the beginning. Yeah, it really is. Well, guys, we hit the trifecta. Because <laughs> my number two favorite horror film is You mean Polter number guys. three? You mean number three? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, are we on two or three? We're, we're on two. two. Yeah, we got oh. number two is Poltergeist. Oh, now we're the on trifecta. number two. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, see, yeah. I see. Our okay. first top okay. five trifecta. Gotcha, wow. Where we all pick Poltergeist. And I guess the only thing left to say is go see that movie if you have it's not so seen it. It's so great, that. yeah. And listen to our podcast. And the whole of. franchise, really. All three of them are equally as great. Mm-hmm. They, they are. They really are. There's just so much on that movie. Mm-hmm. The behind the scenes, that there's a supposed curse from that mm-hmm. movie. So there's a lot of yes, cool stuff to read up on. Yes, dying, and, and then, which is like, tragic. Every part of it. Sean is you know, correct. Tony, what you said about you know the movie being creepy and, you know... Mm-hmm scary and um about the movie growing on you it's 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 uh yeah i there's not much more i could say that we have the thing about poltergeist that's so creepy is going back to the to the theme with christine you're taking something ordinary and every day like your home yes and making it scary and making it making it an unsafe place your home is the one safe place you have it's your it's your respite it's the place you come to Mm -hmm. and you know, like, but just like the same thing with Christine, your car, you think it's a safe space. It's your, you know, an extension of you, so to speak. And to have that be compromised and to have it be scary or, or to have it be haunted or to have these really horrific things happening, that's really unsettling. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's one of the things that made me scared about Poltergeist as a kid. And even now as an adult, when I watch it, like, it makes you afraid of where you live. It does. And that's a scary yeah. thing. Because where else are you going to go? Yeah. Your bedroom, your toys, yes, your television, exactly. your tree. You're afraid of everything yeah. that you utilize. And and that's that's really chilling. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean that's one of those that's why when I was a kid whenever I watched films that took place in someone's home mm-hmm. with a family and, and horrifying events that took place. It, that always made me unsettled, and I would go home, and I would I would be scared in my own home yes, because exactly. of the psychological effect it would have on me. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's a very uh, that, that's something that cuts very deeply with mm-hmm. horror films. You know, when you think about movies like Friday the 13th, which I'm not discrediting, but, I mean, you're only going to encounter Jason if you go to Crystal Lake. Yeah. You yeah. know? like, but, but Poltergeist, with it being in your home, where you have no control over what's mm-hmm. possessing it or the demons yeah. that are there, that's scary. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. So, Tony, okay. what is your... Uh, so, number two and number one, again, were incredibly hard for me. Love them both equally, but I have to stay uh, 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 true to my roots and then honor my number one pick. So, I am going to say that my number two favorite horror, thriller, psychological thriller, whatever, of all time, is American Psycho. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. I'm a, that's a bit of an upset, I think, yeah. knowing you, but... It, well, you know, number one is great. Number one is piece of my heart, and I can't. Yeah. Yes, I know. As much as I love Patrick Bateman, and I feel that there is a part of Patrick Bateman that lives within me, <laughs> um, I, it was hard. But yeah, um, I mean, American Psycho. Gosh, 
it is a black comedy, and it is a comedy at heart, I think, and I watch it and view it more as a comedy, but on the surface, and for some someone who's maybe seeing it for the first time, it is scary. Yes. You know, there are a lot of horrific elements to this movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember the first time when we watched it together, Scott, when I introduced you to it, you were kind of scared. You thought it was like a horror movie, and yeah. I told you it was funny. I was yeah. like, oh, you'll like it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. And But when he first watched it, he was, you know, the horror is what kind of kind of got to him. And then after you watch it again, you start to really pick up on the funny elements of it yeah. and the humor mm-hmm. and the satire. But, I mean, you know, the killing of Paul Allen, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the raincoat and the, and Huey Lewis in the news and the accent, it's just so iconic, but just so horrific. Uh, and then, you know, when he's, when he's, in bed with the the one um, prostitute, and he starts stabbing her. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that being yeah. in bed with someone in the most vulnerable, intimate moment, and then all of a sudden they start killing you? Um, and then when he, of course, when he throws the chainsaw down at the other prostitute, <laughs> they, <laughs> that gets away, and it miraculously hits her. <laughs> and then when he kills the homeless man, I mean that's so sad. Yeah. Well, um, it, yeah. It's, there, but but there's a lot of horrific elements to it, and he is a true psychopath. Yes, mm-hmm. Patrick Bateman, and you know, um, you think there are people like that that we know in real life running around town, living <laughs> that way, like that are truly psychopaths. <laughs> Seriously, he well, I mean, the thing that makes that scary, going back to the scary elements of that film, is that he on the surface looks like this incredible human being, this good upstanding citizen, you know, wealthy, seems respectable, seems like he's kind of well-adjusted, but on the inside, he's the maniac. Mm -hmm. It it is a great film. I always considered it like a satire, like a dark satire, Uh, but I could easily see how it fits into horror for the elements you mentioned. And I think on an overall list for me, it would definitely make make certainly my top 100 favorite films. Somewhere, I don't know where it would fit. I'd have to Mm -hmm. think about that. But... Um, I do love the film. Uh, my favorite moments in that movie are usually like the, as you know, as a, as a music geek, listening mm-hmm. to him explain Phil Collins and Huey Lewis before yeah. he either kills or. Wait, yeah. Wait. I love his neuroses too. Yeah. How neurotic yes. he is, and and you know, when I think about horror movies, I also think about my favorite like horror characters. You know, yeah, he's exactly. definitely one of my favorite horror characters. He's psychotic, you know, psychopath. And comedy is a big part of horror movies. I mean, there's it's always, bad, yeah, there there's is always some cheesiness. Great, yeah, yeah, there's always mm-hmm. because y- you know it, it gives you an inference and humanizes the character mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah, and sometimes it's the villains that are funny, and yes. it makes them likable. You know, yeah. to some extent. Yeah. I mean, could, could could you imagine if we just started the movie with Patrick Bateman, you know, killing Paul Allen? Like we wouldn't like him. No, you know, well, like we wouldn't. So, so yeah, that humor. It's element. a dark fantasy. In it really is. Yeah, it's it trying really to get is. you to like something that. You and that's like. the other thing I like about it too—the psychological aspects of it. You know, you know, even when I was reading the novel itself, which, which really a lot of the dialogue in the film is is extracted directly from the novel. Um, it's still very vague. You don't know: is this real life? Is this a dream? Is he mm-hmm. really functioning this way? Um, but that 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 adds to I think. You know the the well mystique of it, and it kind of adds to that horror element because you're like you don't know. Yes. You know, it's that mystery of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't is know. This really, yeah, yeah, is this really? Yeah, is this real life? Yeah. Do you really kill all these people? Exactly. Or not? Yeah. That's that's a fantastic movie. I think it deserves a wider audience these days. Too. I do too. I, I don't think it gets nearly the claim. I was deserves. so sad. About a year ago, they played it at Gateway. 
Oh, and I he, missed he it. Missed yeah. it. Yeah, I missed it. I It'll be so back, I bet, sooner than later, too. So we'll have to make a note of that. For, Fun uh, fact for all of our listeners, yours truly went as Patrick Bateman last year for Halloween. I'll have to upload a photo. Um, <laughs> it was phenomenal. Probably one of the best costumes I've ever did. I was very proud of it. Yeah, it was amazing. People like just <laughs> having seen it firsthand. And we do do it. We have a deep dive podcast on American Psycho with Paul Stone. We do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Check that out. Absolutely. Now, for my number two, I wanted to give a mention to an honorable, like a, a film that almost made the list. It would have made the list this year, uh, last year, but since I saw The Invisible Man this year, it got knocked off the mm-hmm. top five. And that would be uh, maybe an obvious choice, The Exorcist. Oh, by yes. William Friedkin. Yeah. Uh, I would have easily have had it in my top five if it hadn't been for that, but... Mm-hmm. Horses for courses, as they say. <laughs> yeah. uh, but my number two, uh, speaking of Ed Gein, or Ed Gein, I think is Ed how you pronounce. Yeah. This is another film, though, and probably the most famous instance of Ed Gein influencing a filmmaker to some degree. Mm-hmm. And that would be 1960s Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping somebody would have Hitch yes. in this. I'd like to say that my first two picks are by highly acclaimed, highly famous <laughs> Uber directors. <laughs> Uh, I can guess what's yeah, number well, one I'll, is. I'll keep it as a secret for number one, but number two, uh, <laughs> Psycho is so hypnotic as a film, just as pure it film is. that... Uh, and, and groundbreaking. It is. It's groundbreaking. It is a gorgeous looking movie to look at. It uh, Hitchcock's angles, especially when we get to the Bates Motel, are so mm-hmm. striking with the, the stuffed animals in the background mm-hmm. during that conversation between Norman Bates and Marion Crane. Uh, Anthony Perkins is phenomenal in this movie. Mm-hmm. I always, I love too, in the very beginning with uh, Janet Lee's character, uh, they have her wearing white, and then after she commits adultery, you notice her undergarments are black. Yes. And that was intentional, and I think that's just, again, a stroke of genius. Like, to, for someone to be that detailed, showing the change in her morality. You it, know, you're wearing white undergarments to now black. It, it's amazing, and uh, like one of my favorite elements of the film is the score by Bernard Herrmann. Oh, he's a fantastic composer. It, it is phenomenal. I mean, the score alone is one of the greatest scores of all time, which is usually the case for Bernard Herrmann. Uh, and it's black and white in a gorgeous mm-hmm. black and white cinematography. Um, you know, Jan- Janet Leigh is excellent mm-hmm. as Marion Crane, and it was mm-hmm. it was a big shock. Spoiler alert for people yeah, listening. She died so early. She died. You know, the shower sequence is as great as advertised, but um, I think there's so many other sequences that rival it in the movie. You know, and everybody in the cast is great from start to finish. Like, uh, Martin Balsing is a great character actor playing mm-hmm. the detective in the middle, and uh, uh, just overall, just watch the Psycho. Look, the <laughs> sheer look in Anthony Perkins' face at the very end when he looks up. You know, yes. when he's at the police station and he's got like the blankets kind of wrapped around him and he does almost like a Mona Lisa smile. That's fantastic. It's so chilling. Yeah. You know, you're like, this guy is psycho, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like, it's very, it, it makes is. your heart stop. Yeah. Like, because it's just, it's that stark black and white and you don't expect him to look up and then he's got those piercing eyes. You almost feel like he's looking right at you. You do. And it's scary. Like, I feel like he's looking right at me. My favorite scene in the whole film, and it is a masterpiece of character building and and screenwriting is the conversation between Marion and uh, a Norman in the hotel where we get Before to know she Norman. Goes to her room? Yes, yeah. where he's talking about like everybody boy loves their mother. 
it is a beautifully rendered scene of getting to know both characters and they're bonding in this weird way before all the events that take yeah. place afterwards. Uh, I highly recommend anybody, especially if you're building characterization and, mm -hmm. and, and, and dialogue and conversations in film, to look at that scene. That, mm -hmm. that was a beautifully rendered scene. Plus, it's so haunting with, like I said, with the, the owls, uh, taxidermy yeah. in the yeah. background with the owls looking mm -hmm. right down at you. So. Owls are in a lot of horror films. Because if Brian Frankenstein had an owl. Whatever. Even in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Because they're high. They're, they're, they're dark creatures with eyes, and they're just always watching. They are. Yes. Watching and judging. Yeah, I mean. They're the cats of the sky. They pretty much are. They are the cats of the sky. I remember the robotic owl in Blade Runner, too. Yeah. The sisters one in Clash of the Titans. So they even go beyond horror into like science fiction mm -hmm. and fantasy movies a lot, too. Yeah. Well, guys, we're in the number ones. Yeah. So these are our favorite horror films. Um, so my number one horror film of all time is, it's categorized as a horror film, and I think it is. Oh boy. It is, uh, Godzilla, the original Godzilla movie. Oh, I knew it! <laughs> now, I, yeah, anybody knows me? <laughs> now, I wouldn't put, it's, it's probably not my favorite Godzilla movie, but it is the one that has the most, it is a horror movie. Is that it, the one I saw? Yes, yeah, so you saw, and you said it was too much screaming. Hence, a horror movie. There's a lot of screaming. It's it's just Godzilla destroys Tokyo and people die, <laughs> and it's a lot of hymns and stuff. Now there are two versions of it. There's a Japanese version that has a lot of like politics about you know anti nuclear bomb. I prefer the one that takes out the, that takes out all the, takes that removes 16 minutes of politics and puts in 16 minutes of Raymond Burr. That's the one I like. Uh, the American version, though, because that's the one I used to watch. Right. And just to watch Raymond Burr be edited into this Godzilla movie is 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 brilliant. And right, I love it. I think it's um, uh, it's so it's such a good end to have a guy like that. There are you can watch the original Japanese version with subtitles or dubbing. Uh, but to watch the Americanized version, which they actually released in Japan too, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Didn't we already see this movie? But now we have this American, Canadian American actor. Uh, but uh, Raymond Burr's character is named Steve Martin in the movie. Wow, that's kind of ironic. I would like to see the actual Steve Martin now. Yeah, and, Steve Martin in it. But it is a very, it's a very somber movie. I mean, there's a scenes of just watching Tokyo burn with just like really somber music playing. You know, the, the score is amazing. Godzilla always has great scores. He's got a great, um, yeah. uh, Fubuki, I think his name is the last name. And he just has great music. Um, I think that's one thing that we can probably say for, I, I'd say the majority of our picks is that they all have great music. Mm -hmm. Great yeah, soundtracks. With the, with the, the only exception Even American Psycho. Dracula. Dracula doesn't well, have that much was, Well, it doesn't yeah. have one. Which but makes it creepier in Dracula because sure. it's so quiet. Yeah. It's such a quiet movie. But yeah, the score is really good. Uh, special effects are dated. It's the first movie to use a suit or a guy. It's just a guy in a suit and some of the Godzilla looks like... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can be worse than when they release King Kong. Breathe Fire. Like... Yeah, that's... Uh, <sighs> but it's in black and white and just the way they set it up... Um, Watch both versions. Watch the original Japanese version and watch this Raymond Burr version. These are this is a classic. Uh, to me, it's Godzilla is probably my favorite character in any movie. Um, and he is a heart. He is a villain. 
He's a villain in this movie. He's not turned mm-hmm. good. He he gets he gets killed by the. He gets, what is Godzilla? Is he dinosaur? Is he what? What is he? Godzilla is <laughs> a metaphor for. <laughs> he's, no, uh, Godzilla means Gajira. Um, Which means <laughs> I, I think it means gorilla whale. If I'm not mistaken. That makes sense. So yeah, because doesn't he come out of water? Yeah, he lives in the water and he comes yeah. out. He he feasts on nuclear. Um, later on, I don't think in this movie they really give him a reason. He's just like yeah, a force of nature. Just, they don't know. Yeah. They don't yeah. tell you. Uh, but he, uh, um, you know, he's definitely related to the nuclear testing that's going on, and so he's. Mm-hmm. It's it's J- Japan dealing with um, the fallout of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and, and what came of that. I heard that. Now, was he a product, byproduct of nuclear testing, or was he an ancient creature that arose because of nuclear testing? Good question. So that's a that's a great question, and and and, and this version they don't really they just kind of relate to him. He's a dinosaur that's been. So he is automated. like a dinosaur, kind of. Yeah, he's like a mutated dinosaur. They allude to, and later editions they get more. They weren't concerned about details in that. He was just a thing yeah. that shows up. Yeah. I just was always curious, you know. I've never really followed him. I, I, I didn't. On the surface, he looks kind of, you know, yeah, prehistoric. There, there are some there in later movies. He is a dinosaur. He lives on an island, and <laughs> they drop King bombed. Kong. It yeah. gets bombed out. Of- there are a million di- monsters in this universe too, so clearly this is not just nuclear testing because that's well, no way. He is related to King Kong because they re-released King Kong in the fifties, and it did extraordinary well. The one with what's her name? The um, original nineteen thirty one. And um, Fay Ray. Yeah, they released it in the thirties. It did big business, and so Japan's yeah. like, "Hey, let's get on this monster thing." Remember they shot it at Paramount. Yes. When we toured, they yeah. said that that was the one big studio in the corner where they did Godzilla. They did. We actually did see in our Paramount King tour Kong. last year the historic okay. King Kong studio. Mm-hmm. That did not make your list, I noticed, either. The, the I don't consider King Kong a horror movie, the original King Kong. Um, that's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> that is also a lyric in a Rocky Horror Picture Show song. It is. Something like, Fay Ray told King Kong. Yes. Yeah, I... I Godzilla is more a horror movie. It's That's actually the same song. No, as, as the it's Clark the opening Prince. song yeah, from Rocky Horror. In fact, think. Godzilla gets roped Science into a lot fiction. of Science fiction. That's what it's called, double like, feature. There were books that, uh, in elementary school, our library had these books, and it was like, monsters, movie monsters, and it was like Frankenstein, the mummy, the invisible man. I remember those. Christian I remember Black those. Uh, Godzilla was one of them. Uh, so Godzilla was kind of uh, tangentially... Associated with them, even though Toho wasn't related to. Um... Can I add a couple of things? Number one, I loved it when when the Godzilla turned babyface in the wrestling prologue as a good guy. Number two, I've always preferred Godzilla to King Kong. Although I loved the King Kong 1933 original, and I liked a lot of Kong movies, I still think Godzilla is a is a. I like I prefer Godzilla to King Kong. If I Godzilla's to... very cinematic because he's a force of nature. Um, yes, he does turn good and and. King Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. <laughs> That's a great character, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there... Godzilla, if you can watch Godzilla... Watch it. I'm familiar with the 60s movies. I know they made ones in the 90s, but the 60s movies are, are dear to my heart. Um, they're all... Is that the one with the King Kong? Yeah, that's that's the third one. Um, where he... King Kong's a good guy. That one upset me, because King Kong, in the oh. American version, yeah. wins. Uh, 
the name, Japanese version of Godzilla wins. Mm-hmm. So I was pro Godzilla. I wasn't. Yeah. King Kong has a terrible costume. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they drop him from that plane. Drop him from balloons. So balloons. That's right, there. balloons, balloons. <laughs> it was so unreal. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, that's that's not a highlight, but it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Tony Sacco, you have your number one horror movie. All right, my number one yeah. horror movie slash horror <laughs> villain person that I love the most is Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Freddy Krueger. Um, I love the whole franchise, uh, specifically the first and the third. Those are my two favorites. Uh, I pretend that that number two didn't happen. Freddy's <laughs> Revenge was like the strange anomaly. Um, mm-hmm. But the third, the first is amazing. The third's phenomenal. Four and five aren't that bad. Number six was called Freddy's Dead. It was okay. It came out in like the, I want to say 93 or 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wes Craven's New Nightmare was awesome. Yeah. That came out, I think, in 96. Um, and, of course, they went on to make Jason versus Freddy, which was just, mm-hmm. you know, ridiculous. But 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 um, um, Robert England played Freddy throughout the whole entire franchise, which I love. You know, because when you get a character as iconic as Freddy Krueger and oh, play yeah. it so well in the way that, you know, Robert England plays him, you just can't replace it. No. You know, I know that they did a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, I want to say in 2010 or 2011, with, what's his name, um, the little short guy. Oh, uh, The redhead yeah. guy. Yes. And it was the worst thing ever. Don't waste your <laughs> money or time. Again, I like to pretend that that never happened. Right. Um, but, but the original Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984... Starring Robert England, Heather Langenkamp, and introducing Johnny Depp, <laughs> uh, is is just a phenomenal film, and and the character of Freddy Krueger, I think, is probably one of the most iconic horror villains of all time. I don't know where he would rank on the scale, but I'd I'd be willing to say he'd be in the top three mm-hmm. amongst Michael Myers mm-hmm. and Jason. I don't know where they'd all fall, but you know, Freddy Krueger would definitely be up there in terms of likability. I think he'd be number one. He had a great sense of humor. He was campy. Um, you know, he had the best ways of killing people, really creative deaths. Um, mm-hmm. but the element of the movie that really freaked me out the most, and you have to remember guys, I saw this movie for the first time with, probably with Cindy, you know, and yeah. she's, um, Cindy you know, is her yeah, sister, seven and a half years older than me. Yeah. So, so she was, I don't know how old when she saw it, maybe 10. So, you know. I was young, you know, three, four years old. I mean, I have vivid memories of seeing Freddy movies when I was really small. Like, there was no way I should... I had no business seeing these movies at that young age, but I did. Um, And I was always so mesmerized by the character of Freddy and so frightened by him at the same time. I mean, I used to... I grew up, I used to have nightmares about him because he was so real to me. And the element, very much like Christine, you know, in like Poltergeist where you have the car in the house... Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy came to you in your dreams, your subconscious, you can't control. And that's another really vulnerable, really invasive place for someone to be. Mm-hmm. And in Freddy, in, in, you know, with Freddy, if he killed you in your dreams, he killed you in real life. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's freaky. You know, that, that's a really psych- scary psychological um, concept. And so I, I applaud Wes Craven because I think that that was genius. I mean, what a way to, we all have to sleep at night, right? What a way to oh, scare yeah. people, you know, into sleeping. It's a horrifying. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the lines are so blurry in these movies that sometimes you don't know when, when you're asleep or when you're not. 
Um, I mean, there are many nights, even still into my adulthood, where I'll wake up, you know, in a haze, and I'll be like, am I asleep? Am I awake? Is Fred going to be here? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I'm right. just so conditioned, um, you know, and always thinking thinking about Freddie that way because he scared the shit out of me. But yet there was a quality, there was something about these movies that there's a comfort to them. Like, I love watching them. They remind me so much of my sisters and my childhood. And I really retreated to movies a lot when I was a kid. And, you Same know, here. Nightmare on Elm Street was one of those movies. I really, I really gravitated towards the third one. Um, but I, I'm naming the first one and, and the franchise tonight. But um, if you've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, you need to see it. It's, it's groundbreaking, I think, in terms of horror film. And what it did, special effects were awesome. You know the whole the whole backstory of Freddy Krueger, and again the concept of of killing people. You know, sleeping and that whole kind of uh, what do they call it? Like almost like a sleep paralysis type thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's really awesome, and I think I think it's one of the best horror, like true horror franchises, movies, and characters of all time. It's uh, you know I have only had a little bit of exposure to the Nightmare films or uh, uh, even the Jason films, but I do remember in high in grade school, there was always that debate in the 80s between Freddy and Jason, mm -hmm. like who was stronger, who would win in the fight. You know, it's taking away from the cinematic qualities because it's getting into more of a fun fight. But I have a feeling, just based on my limited exposure to those films, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street feels, it's directed by Wes Craven, mm -hmm. Craven who's a really accomplished horror director that feels like it has a more like cinematic hypnotic quality to it, it and more fun than any of the Friday yes. 13 films do. Absolutely and the soundtrack is so perfect it's it's a, it's like a sleep state you know yeah. score you really feel you know you're in that haze when you hear it you know it's really beautiful and haunting at the same time um, and yeah, just the aesthetics of the Freddy Krueger movies are phenomenal from, you know, Freddy, he's so stylish. He's got the fedora hat <laughs> and the striped sweater and the glove hands. And, and I like it because he has a real true backstory, you know, again, not to discredit Jason or, or the Friday the 13th franchise, but you know, again, you're only really going to be affected by him. If you go to Crystal Lake, Freddy could get you anywhere. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't he's matter. Scarier. Yeah. He's scarier. And, and he could take on, he was like a chameleon. He could take on different forms you know, in your dream, he could be your boyfriend and you could be kissing him and then all of a sudden, oh, he got you in the yeah. stomach. You know, there, it, it, there was like no escaping him. Um, but he was also incredibly humorous. You yeah. know, by the time the third movie came around, he was known for his great one-liners. Yeah, You know, was. the most iconic one that we all know when he when he slammed, when he picked up, the girl wanted to be an actress and she fell asleep and, and um, she, uh, Freddie came on the TV. Like, I think it might have been on... I don't know if it was like, it was, I think it was Jay, Jay Leno yeah. and he came on. And so the girl's like, Oh my goodness. So she like went up to the TV and then like he arms kind of come out of the TV, really cool special effects. And his head pops up like an antenna uh. and, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, here's your, here's your big break. And then he's like, welcome to prime time, bitch. And slams <laughs> her head like in the TV yeah, and you know, kills yes. her. But that's when he really started with the funny one liners, you know, before he would kill people. Um, and started doing all the puns. And then, you know, towards the fourth and fifth installment, he got real kind of goofy and campy. Yeah. But but it was great. Um, I feel like I rambled a lot because I love yeah. Freddy Krueger so uh, much. Yeah. But that's definitely my top horror movie of all time. Favorite um, true horror villain. Because I can't, I can't cheat on Patrick. But uh, Patrick Bateman. But. Yeah. 
I knew Freddie first. <laughs> well, Robert England was the actor who played Freddie yes. Krueger, obviously, iconically, but it was also played by Jackie Earl Hurley. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> who was so bad. Watchmen as Warshak and, and a few other roles. He's a great actor, actually. I like Jackie Earl Hurley. That's a tough, that's a tough, uh, yeah, but it's hard to follow. Well, Robert you Ingram. know, and, and, and Freddie Krueger, Robert England, the thing, again, that made him very scary was his profile mm-hmm. and his silhouette. You know, in so many Freddy scenes, he was known for like being in a dark hallway, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you'd see the silhouette, and then the he would, you know, flick the yeah. the knives out, yeah. and you'd see the shape, and then he'd come running at you, like, and just the way that Robert England would stand, he had this this stance about him where it was a like quasi casual, a little sexual even, mm-hmm. and and just like he was in full control, and it's like this Jackie Earl guy. First of all, he's like a foot top smaller than Robert England. He just didn't have the the stature and he didn't have it mm-hmm. they never should have made that movie it was awful yeah, yeah. they didn't need to well <laughs> my number one uh is going to be a shock to so many people <laughs> it's going to really throw people through a loop anybody who knows me uh it is uh stanley kubrick's interpretation of the stephen king novel it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Shining. The Shining. Hey, it's a great movie. Yeah. And let me specify, as Tony was complaining about the new uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I am talking about the 1980 version of The Shining and not the miniseries that came out in the 1990s starring Steven Weber. I'm clearly <laughs> talking about the Jack Nicholson, yes. uh, Jack Torrance Shining. Uh, I, I love The Shining. It is a contender probably for my favorite film, period. So it could no, have been no other film for me for number one. It is a horror film, mm-hmm. although it's a lot more than just a horror film. It is a psychological yeah. horror. In fact, mm-hmm. it's debated whether the supernatural elements of the film are actually taking place. So many do- documentaries mm-hmm. have been made about the meaning of the film. Uh, and I love Jack Nicholson's performance mm-hmm. in this movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's as Jack Torrance as he goes becomes unhinged. It is just a textbook example of how to play crazy on film mm-hmm. in an over-the-top way. Yeah. Just as with Psycho, where they had a conversation between Marion and Norman, my favorite scene in The Shining is a conversation between the bartender Mine and too. Jack Thorne. Yes, that's the best scene. Uh, the dialogue is amazing. I tend to focus more on the comedic and character-driven elements of a horror yeah. film than the actual horrifying elements, but... There's clearly a lot here. The iconography of the film, just like mm-hmm. Psycho, is embedded in our culture. Uh, the twins, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the bike, and the sounds the yeah, bike makes. Yeah, the little tri- tri- the, whatever it is, tricycle. Yeah, whatever. the tricycle that Danny yeah. Danny runs. Uh, the Shining itself. Uh, Red Run. I think Scatman Crothers is terrific as the uh, janitor who mm-hmm. saves. Tries to save the family mm-hmm. towards the end. Who's also gifted with the Shining. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite elements of the book is that the Shining is based on the lyric "We All Shine On" from Instant Karma by John wow. Lennon, which is one of my favorite John Lennon solo. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a great uh, song. It's probably my favorite John Lennon song outside of the Beatles. Uh, and uh, I, I like the fact that those things are tied together as, mm-hmm. as a little fun fact, but. You know, we covered this greatly on, on, on a podcast I did with Nikita Carroll a while back, all of us, mm-hmm. so check that out as well. But, uh... It the, is a fantastic it's movie. It's a fantastic it's, movie. And from what I understand, I've never read the novel, but I, 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 I hear the novel is one of the scariest books of all time. Yeah. They're like very... <laughs> you just, yeah. 
they're very different works of art. Uh, the novel is its own thing, and I think Kubrick, as he's done with a lot of other interpretations, mm -hmm. kind of made it his own film, yeah. taking the base, basic uh, source material but expanding it into his own mm -hmm. artistic need. So that would be my number one, The Shining. Sabrina yeah. has to weigh in. Her number one <laughs> What's favorite, number one favorite is, movie, uh, Sabrina? Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it would be Cat Eye or Cat's Eye, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, she's, uh, she's made her appearance here. Uh -huh. Number one's coming out. Yes. Well, those are all fantastic picks. Yes. Yes, and I think our number ones really have an impact on our lives. I oh, yeah. yeah I think I so. Mean, I've been petrified, of, and I will... Freddie and I, you know, if we were friend, Facebook friends, it would say our relationship is complicated. <laughs> yeah. And Jack Nicholson in The Shining is probably one of my favorite, close to being my favorite film performance. And the, even the behind-the-scenes footage on that movie is compelling. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson, uh, uh, yeah, Sabrina just walked on <laughs> Sabrina has made her presence known. Exactly. Uh, She's ready for it. But, uh, yeah, Jack Nicholson brushing his teeth vigorously and then going down <laughs> to shoot the famous axe scene is yeah. one of the greatest behind-the-scenes clips you ever see. I highly recommend checking out. It was directed by Vivian Kubrick, who's Kubrick's daughter. Mm -hmm. That little night. video you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, we've seen it. It was good. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street has a lot of really great um, documentaries and videos. In fact, about almost about 10, yeah, about 10 years ago, they came out with a like a documentary about the whole franchise and the making. They break it down by each individual film, which was really cool, and they interview the stars that were in that film. It's called Never Sleep Again. You can actually get it on YouTube. Wow. The whole thing is available for view um, on YouTube. Um, but, but yeah, it's neat you know, to, to learn how the whole concept came about originally with Wes Craven and how they got it off the ground and how they got Robert England and all that stuff. Um, and then it's neat because each one of the movies does, for the most part, have different, a different crop of teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so they'll talk about, you know that movie and their characters and the different death. You know, there, there are so many videos on YouTube, like top 10 funny deaths of all, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. funny deaths. And it's just you go on a deep dive. On yeah, that. yeah. So if you're really like a Nightmare on Elm Street um, fan, YouTube's got a lot of great content that you could check I, out. I'd love to check that out sometime too and finally see the movie. So. Oh, I'll let you borrow it. I have all of them. <laughs> Even Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up for our top five horror films. They're all very yes. divergent. It's very fun. scary. I hope yeah. you're not freaked out. Yeah, I hope <laughs> you're still with us and haven't abandoned the podcast yet. So uh, please check out any of those titles as well as some of the aforementioned episodes where we cover many of those titles in full length. Absolutely. Um, and again... Have a terrific Halloween season. Yes. Uh, don't go overboard. <laughs> and and, and uh, share with us on our Facebook page what are your favorite you know horror movies and or psychological thrillers. Do you agree with some of our picks or do you have some other other movies that maybe we forgot to mention that are equally as, as mm -hmm. scary and and noteworthy? Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, if you have any interesting content you want to share about any of the movies we talked about, we'd love to to engage with you on the Facebook. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and uh, again, uh, follow us on both Podbean and mm -hmm. iTunes, and uh, rate us, uh, you know, affectionately, and you know, and give us some sympathy. Yes, <laughs> and if you can. if you like Alfred Hitchcock and you live in Columbus, Ohio, the uh, Gateway Theater every year, every October annually, they do what they call a Hitchcocktober, and they'll show the the majority of Hitch's films on the big screen. Um, so you could probably go to their website to get the scheduling. 
Um, mm -hmm. But um, that's always something great and fun to look forward to in October. Absolutely. Uh, please check that out at the Gateway and mm -hmm. support your local independent theaters. And, yes. uh, support Cinema Wheeler today. We yeah, love you guys. Exactly. Thanks for support listening. Us too, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. He saw a monster, a horrible monster. He saw a monster. He's had too much sake. Killed his family with an axe. Stacked them neatly in one of the rooms of the West Wing, and uh, then he uh, he put uh, both barrels of a shotgun in his mouth. Police, uh, they thought that it was what the old timers used to call cabin fever kind of claustrophobic reaction which can occur when people are shut in together over long periods of time. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. Here's Johnny! <laughs> Please, God. This is God.